a pleasure to be here with y'all. Um, quick mount quick announcements. Next Sunday, we have a women's ministry meeting. Miss um, Jackie, Miss Marty, and I will be speaking. I'm super excited, um, and I'm, I'm especially excited for all the women to gather together, and we get to fellowship and learn. Um, and then the following week on the 29th is a men's ministry meeting, and my Uncle Mark will be speaking, and I'm excited for that. Um, and I'm going to pass the mic to Pastor Bethany. Good morning, Crossroads. How are y'all? Good. All right, so the youth are starting another fundraiser. Um, we still have the envelopes going on as well, but we're starting a new one with Krispy Kreme. Um, you buy a buy one, get one card right here. These cards are $20 each, so the youth makes $10 off this card. Um, and basically, it has 10 coupons on the back, buy one, get one. So you buy a dozen, you get a dozen free. Ten times. It's a pretty good deal. Um, but anyway, if you would like to purchase one of these, please see myself or one of the youth, and we'll get that taken care of. Yeah, they don't expire. So these are great gifts, just saying. Um, but anyway, thank you for those that have given, and thank you for those that are going to give. We really sincerely appreciate it. Thank you. Good morning. How are y'all today? Um, I'm the Pastor Charlie, the associate pastor here, and I just wanted to kind of kick in a couple of things. Next Saturday, we're having a community outreach event. It's here at the church from 11 to 1, and everyone here is invited. We are going to have games. We're going to have blow-ups. We're going to have uh, cotton candy and popcorn, and this is a community event, so make sure you invite your neighbors and invite all those around you. So. 11 to 1 next Saturday. Amen. Today's, we're going to start our uh, faith statement. And if everybody would stand. Again, as I've been speaking on every Sunday, this is important. We are making a declaration over our lives, over our community, and over our homes and over this congregation. So join with me today as we say our faith statement. We are sword drawn. Word ready, purpose filled, we will not be denied, and in Jesus' name, we will do everything, not somehow, but triumphantly. Amen. Yes, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're also making a statement over our finances, and if you're like me, finances usually are at the top of your mind. You're always having to work. Well, you got to pay your bills, you got to have money for this, you got to have money for groceries, money for entertainment, and you know what? Money for the house of God. So we're making a statement that God will provide us more than enough. And it's a statement in here, give us more than enough so that we can give back into the kingdom. So let's make our statement. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decreased, blessing and increase. 
Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Church, in my reading, um, I was reading in Mark, and in Mark chapter 2, Jesus has started his ministry, and he's going around, and he's healing people, and he's actually kind of upsetting the norm, and you have the Pharisees that are following him around. Now, they're showing up for all these things that he's doing when he's preaching in the temple, when he's preaching in the home. They're showing up for these things. And instead of them listening to what he has said, they're, they're critiquing him on what he's doing. And they get very upset because guess what? Jesus didn't follow the norm. He did not follow what they thought he should do. They thought he should be like a priest and follow the priestly rules. And Jesus is not here to follow rules. Jesus was here to save the lost. And I'm going to read you a statement. This really hit home with me. He had just been healing people. And he had just told him that um, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he goes on and he's talking about the parable of the wineskins, where his disciples, they, they were um, not fasting. And the Pharisees came to him and said, um, disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting. Why are you not fasting? And Jesus was like, you almost don't get it. He said, you know, look, the bridegroom's here. We don't fast when we have the bridegroom here. It's when the bridegroom has left, we will be fasting. But he made the statement, again, that they just are not getting it. He said, no one sows, and I'm reading uh, Mark chapter 2, starting in 21. No one sews a piece of untrunk cloth to an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But new wines must be put into new wineskins. Y'all, this verse hit me. And I see so many people, me included, in certain things. My heart sometimes has been an old wineskin. And I've expected the same way, the same thing. We do this, this is a tradition, we gotta do it this way. I gotta check off all these lists. Jesus did not come to fulfill a checklist. And I have to pray, Lord, and I want you to examine yourself. Are you an old wineskin? See, what happens is when you have new wine, if you've ever made wine, we did it for years, my grandmother made wine for the church for years, you had to put it in a container and allow for expansion because the new wine will give off gases as it's fermenting. And if it, the new wine is put in old wineskins, the old wineskins have already stretched as far as they can stretch, and they're going to burst. And what Jesus was saying is, I'm not doing the same thing that everybody has been doing. I brought a new way. I brought a new wine for you to take. We have to be new wineskins, people. Just in this church, Pastor Josiah has been trying to explain that we're not doing service the same way just because that's the way we've been doing it. We want to do service with truth the way God says to do it. 
So I need you to examine yourself. I've examined myself, and I've found old wineskin. And I've got to change that out. So church, I advise you to please examine yourself. If you are old wineskin, commit yourself to God. Realize that things may be done not the same way you've seen them done before. But that's okay. That's okay. Because we're going to do the things that God tells us to do in the way Jesus did. So let's be new wineskin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, you ready to worship this morning? Listen, y'all still believing for those big, bold prayers over there? I am. Come on, we got to sing like we already saw the answer. We got to do it. Go ahead. Yes, come on, you ready? Do like this right here. Come on, there's a praise. There's a praise that breaks the silence. A sound that slays the giants. A voice that breaks down every prison door. Come on. When we lift up our voices, praises go before us. For we know the battle is the Lord. Come on, say that again. There's a sound. There's a sound that praise breaks the silence. Come on, a sound that slays. A voice. together this morning. Let's sing together like we know God answered these prayers. Come on, there's a praise. There's a praise that breaks the silence. Come on up, let's get close. A sound that slays the giants. A voice that breaks down every prison door. When we lift up our voices, praises go before us. There's nothing that can keep me from my 
hardly able to move, then how can I say I trust God at all? I've got to see him like he's whole and healed and walking out his ladder gears with strength. That's what I'm looking at. I see my dad standing tall. I see my dad walking a little quicker than he is now. That's how you trust and praise before you see the answer. Because I know God can do it. I know he can do it. What are you believing for? What do you need in your mind's eye to see God answering, even though it hasn't happened yet? That's what we got to do. we got to worship. If I saw my daddy walk through that door right now, tall and strong and without his walker, yeah, I'd probably cut a car wheel off these steps. So why are we not worshiping ahead of time? You know what I'm saying? Come on, we got to claim the victory. Nothing's going to shake me. Nothing's going to take my promise. Victory. Victory.
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is so good. Appreciate you. 
All right, if, if all the kids who are going back to school, college, high school, middle school, elementary school, if you would stand up, if you would stand up, I want to pray over you guys. While we are already in this flow of worship, I want to go ahead and pray for you guys before you go back to school. Look at all those kids going back to school. Praise the Lord. Bunch of little evangelists going back to the school system. All right, y'all, hey, raise your hands. Put your hands towards these kids so we can put an anointing, a blessing on them as they go back into the school system. The world is going away. I don't appreciate a way I don't agree with, so let's pray a special blessing and anointing over the children today. Lord God, we thank you for these young ones, these young adults, these little ones that you love so dearly. Lord God, we thank you for these children and these young adults, Lord, that you are birthing something new in their spirits, a spirit of John the Baptist, I believe, a voice crying out in the wilderness that goes against the government, goes against the things of this world, and cries out, Abba, Father, the coming of the kingdom. So right now, we just pray a special anointing of power and wisdom, and we, we pray discernment over these children that even the children would test the spirit. So all these children and all these young adults going to college and high school, middle school, and elementary school, we pray a special blessing, Holy Spirit, that you would fill the, even the children to a deeper measure to share the gospel to even their teachers, to even their professors, Lord God, that there would be a boldness that rests upon them and the security and assurance in your salvation upon their lives. So God, right now, we just pray a special blessing before they go. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Children's Church is going to be dismissed at this time. I believe Miss Martha Chapel has Children's Church. If Miss Martha is walking back in the purple shirt, you guys, if you were going to Children's Church today, you can follow her back there. Awesome, awesome. All right, y'all, if you bow your heads with me, I'm going to pray one more time before we get started. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place today. And Holy Spirit, I think one of the most amazing things is the fact that when you dwell within our mortal bodies, we don't have to beg you to come. You're already here. Holy Spirit, you're already here. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And when we reside in that state of being a cleansed temple, Holy Spirit, you are already in filling of us. So Holy Spirit, I pray that the amount you are in me, that you would overflow out of me today. That whatever I say and do would glorify you first and foremost, Father God, but they would be the Holy Spirit working in and through me. Holy Spirit, I pray you would open the ears of everyone in this congregation and you would soften the hearts. That even if they've heard this before, you would work in their heart in a new way, bring into their, into their remembrance everything they will learn today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Clicker. All right, guys, today is part three of the Powered Up series. I hope you've been enjoying this. I know I have. Um, even, even just studying the Word, I don't know, I pray all of you study your Word, but just studying for this series has put something new in my spirit, and I believe I'm going to see more spiritual gifts arising in my spirit throughout this series, but for times to come. Um, I'm, I'm excited because today our evangelism team, our second group, is going out today into the community, and I'm so excited for that because we are expectant and excited that the Holy Spirit is going to put a special anointing upon that group to truly have the spiritual gift of evangelism. A lot of the time, the Lord blesses us with the gift when we step out in faith. So, so, if, so if you don't have this spiritual gift of evangelism, but you have stepped out to join the evangelism team, he will bless you with that gift because you are bringing glory to his name. So I'm very, very excited for that group to go out today, and I'm very expectant in my spirit because we are being in the hands and feet of Jesus. And that is the whole point of why we're here, is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
something that the Holy Spirit's been laying on my heart heavy is this right here. The fruit must accompany the gifts. The fruit must accompany the gifts. Now, I don't have the passage up there, but you can turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. But what we have on the screen is a little synopsis of what these verses are saying. Easy to understand, easy to read. While I'm reading through the passage, you can follow along on the PowerPoint. But I'm going to start in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is, what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Who is thankful that the Holy Spirit keeps us from doing everything we want to do? <laughs> because the majority of what we want to do in our flesh just drags us away from the Lord. So the Holy Spirit puts up this strong sense of conviction in our hearts and in our minds that when we do something, we feel sick to our stomachs a lot of the time. Y'all, I did not have a guilty conscience. I was probably one of the best liars I knew before I came to know Jesus. But when I got saved, the Holy Spirit put such a sense of conviction in me that even if I misquote something, not even trying to lie, I feel like I want to throw up. Amen? Because the Spirit keeps us from doing what our flesh wants to do. Right? The Holy Spirit keeps us from falling into sin, from drifting away from the Lord. Verse, verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Going into verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Okay? And what, what does that second point say? Those who live by the flesh and carry out the desires of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you, listen, I am warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what you think you are. I don't care what you think you know. If you are practicing these things, if you are living, I'm not saying if you fall in sin and commit a sin, I'm saying if you are actively living in this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Of God. I think that's a pretty strong warning to let us know that we must be led by the Holy Spirit. And here we go. This is what I'm excited about. All right, verses 22 and 23. This is what I'm excited about because I believe we as the body are starting, especially this body, are starting to produce more of this. But the fruit of the Spirit, so we saw what not to do. We saw what happens when you walk by the flesh. They're evident. But now this is what happens when we walk by the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, so what happens, what we bear when we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. How did Jesus say that the world would know us? By the way we love one another. Joy. I pray to see more joy in the church's smiling faces. Listen, and not just while I'm preaching smile, I'm talking just happy to be here. Happy to be in the house of the Lord. Peace. A lot of us need peace in these trying times, especially with all this news of COVID. We need peace in our spirits that we would not forsake the gathering of the brethren just because we don't have peace. We need peace, inner peace, kindness. The church has to be kinder. We really do. And y'all, when we go out to evangelism, we got to make sure we are walking in kindness because not everyone's going to be receptive to the message of the gospel. So if you have someone, y'all, I've had people cuss in my face. I've literally had someone spit in my face. If that happens which there's no guarantee it won't, 
We have to be walking in kindness to the point where we genuinely do, genuinely do turn the other cheek as the example of Christ. Not because we think we're better, but because we are walking in the fruit of kindness. Goodness, this goodness doesn't mean, as I say, something is good. This means godliness. So righteousness, holiness, purity, we must walk in godliness. Faithfulness, I'm praying some people become more faithful to the church. That means we are more willing to serve the church, that we are more willing to come to the church, that there's a sense of faithfulness. Listen, because something that breaks my heart about Christians, we don't tend to follow through with a lot of what we say we're going to do. And it breaks my heart to see people commit to something and last minute pull out. That is the opposite of faithfulness. That is being non-faithful. And that is a huge lack of not character, but a huge lack of fruit. If you commit, follow through. Why? Because you're not doing it for man. You're doing it for the Father. Mm. Gentleness. Y'all, a lot of us, and y'all, I, I have to practice this because I'm a very blunt person. Those of you who know me know I'm a very blunt person. So I'm not the type of person who would ever beat around the bush. I don't even know how to do that. Like, it's just not in me to do so. I have to practice gentleness. And when I have a baby who's screaming constantly, I have to practice gentleness. So we as the church really, while our message is hard and while our message of the cross steps on toes, we have to do it in such a way that the gentleness of Christ touches the heart of non-believers. We have to walk in a place of gentleness. And last but not least, something that I believe all Christians need to practice more self-control. Y'all, we got to practice self-control. And a lot of the times, it's not, it's not that what we're doing is sin. It's that what we're doing is not beneficial to our walk with Christ. So you may not even be watching something that's sinful, but that TV show, that movie may take away time you were, sp- you were meant to spend with the Lord and prayer and fasting and thanksgiving and in the Word. So we as Christians, even though we're not doing something that may be considered sinful or a sin, we could be acting in things that are not beneficial to our spiritual life with the Lord. So what does that last point say? Those who walk by the Spirit will produce the fruit of the Spirit. Do you hear me? I know clearly how many of us are walking by the Spirit, by the, by the fruit your life produces. It's clear who is walking in step with the Holy Spirit if I see these nine fruits manifesting in your life. Once again, they're beautiful. Y'all, I think every day I try to go through and read the fruits of the Spirit because they're beautiful. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what Jesus exemplified in his life. Moving on, verse 24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. What is the proof slash the fruit that shows if someone belongs to Jesus Christ or not is this. Have they crucified their flesh and the desires of their flesh? How is someone living? How is someone openly living? And so Jesus obviously tells us to be careful how we judge. In Matthew 7, he says, be careful how you judge because that same measure you will then be judged by. But he continues on to the next section, I believe starting in verse 15. He says, but you will know them by their fruit. Jesus said this, correct? Jesus didn't say, do not judge. Jesus said, be careful how you judge. And in the next section, he said, you will know them by their fruit. How can we know if someone belongs to Jesus? Have they crucified their flesh and the desires of their flesh? How are they living? What does their life look like? What do they spend their time on? Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. To live by the Spirit is to be obedient to the Spirit. Amen? To live in step with the Spirit is to be obedient to the Spirit. When He says go, you go. When He says stop, you stop. It's as simple as being sensitive to His voice and following His commands. To keep in step with the Spirit is to be fully led by the Spirit. To be fully led by the Spirit is to, be, is to keep in step with the Spirit. 
Finishing up with verse 26, it's pretty clear. Do not be conceited. Why? Because whatever you have is from God. It's not yours to boast in. Boast in the Father who gave you these things you have. Do not provoke someone to anger, jealousy, or envy. Why? Because it's the opposite of love. And how did Jesus say we, they would know us? By the way we love one another. Provoking someone to anger, to jealousy, or envy is not loving. It's the complete opposite. Do not envy anyone else. God made you the way you are for a reason. We dealt with last week, I believe, of the fact that God gives spiritual gifts to those he knows he can trust with them. If you don't have those gifts yet that you are seeking, maybe you need to keep in step with the Spirit more. Maybe you need to walk closer in obedience to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. But the thing is, we cannot grow envious of one another because we were all made for a specific purpose with different gifts. Listen, this, 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 is what, this is what's been hitting me, is that the fruits must accompany the gifts. Listen, if you bear no fruit, then you are not operating in the gifts of the Spirit, but rather the natural gifts of the flesh. You understand, we all have gifts outside of the Holy Spirit. I'm a good basketball player. I played in college. All right? I'm a, the Holy Spirit didn't give me the gift of basketball. I trained for that. I, it was a natural gifting of my own. A lot of y'all don't know this, but I used to lead worship. I sing. And I, I used to just sing for the heck of it in, a, in one of my friend's bands. Okay? A lot of people don't know that. But that was a natural fleshly gift I already had. Okay, so if you are not bearing fruit, if you do not show these nine fruits in your life and you are serving in the church, it's more than likely you are serving from your own natural giftings you were born with rather than gifts given from the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit run hand in hand. Why? 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 Because both are produced and given by the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Do you hear that? The fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit run hand in hand. Why? Because both are produced and given by the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Any fruit you bear, any gifts you are given come from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes a tree good and able to bear good fruit. What, where am I using this from? This is from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus talks about the tree. What is a tree? He's talking about human beings. He's talking about the person. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes a tree good and able to bear good fruit. He knows the tree. If the tree has not been made good by his working, then it is a bad tree. And he will not give his good gifts to a bad tree. He's not going to trust a tree that isn't fruitful. He's not going to trust a tree that needs to be chopped down instead of nurtured. He's not going to trust it. So unless we are producing good fruit, showing that we are a good tree, we will not be given gifts. First comes sanctifying of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're, we're regenerated. We are made more like Christ. We are made new. The old has passed away. The new is here. Number one is we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Second comes the fruit. Why? Because the sanctifying cleanses. The sanctifying clears out the old to make way for the new. So after the old is gone, now he, now he restores and refills with the new. So the second is the fruit. The Holy Spirit sanctifies and he fills us with the fruit to signify that we belong to him, that we are a Christian, that we belong to Christ. And thirdly comes the gifts. The fruit comes before the gifts. He has to know he can trust us with bearing fruit before he gives us the gifts and invests them in us to invest in others. Amen? Do, do we understand that? There's three steps to this. The Holy Spirit cleanses us and fills us. He then produces his own fruit in us because he's the one making us a good tree and good soil. And then he gives us the gifts. So if you aren't bearing the fruits, I am very doubtful you are walking in your gifts. And I'm very doubtful that he's even given you many gifts if you are not walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And y'all, more than ever, the world needs us to bear fruit more than even our spiritual gifts, if I'm being honest. The world needs to see what it means to be a part of the new creation that Jesus died for. 
Jesus came and lived as an example of the perfect man, gave us his own spirit to indwell in us so that we could live accordingly. The world needs to see us bearing fruit more than our spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are for the building up of the church. The fruit is for the world to see what Jesus had done in and through us. Do we understand that? Spiritual gifts are for us, guys. Spiritual gifts are for this church to edify. What does that mean? To build up this body, to become stronger in Jesus Christ. When Jesus has the head, we as the body, we are given gifts to edify everyone around us to build up his church. To build up his church. He produces the fruits in us so then the world can see and be attracted to what God does and makes new and restores. And I think a lot of us need to work more, need to focus more on sanctification than anything. We need to focus on letting the Holy Spirit work in us. And then when he works in us and cleanses us, we bear the fruits. And y'all, please go back in your study this week in Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 26. And just read it. Just read it over and let the Holy Spirit do something new in your spirit. Let's pick up with our, our gifts for today. I know y'all probably think, well, Pastor Josiah, that's sidetracked. No, because it all pertains to the Holy Spirit. And who are we focusing on on Wednesday nights and Sundays right now? It's all about the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9b through 11. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. Healing, the gift of healing. This is what I'm believing to see in this body. I am believing to see in this body the gift of healing manifesting in people. The gift of healing is a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to serve as human intermediaries through whom it pleases God to cure illness and restore health apart from the use of natural means. This is a manifestation gift. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is directly giving his power through us to impact people. We are walking as the Holy Spirit impacting people. And what ministry is this for, y'all? This is for the whole body, the edification, the building up of the whole body. Every ministry needs this. Y'all, if, if someone were to walk in here and lay hands on our brother Kenny, and our brother Kenny stood up and walked, could you imagine how built up we would be? And y'all, we believe brother Kenny can be healed. I believe that. I believe if God wills, Brother Kenny can be healed and will be healed. And I'm still believing. I still pray for Brother Kenny to walk. I pray for that because I believe that's how powerful the Holy Spirit, that there are no boundaries for him. But I can guarantee you, I would feel edified if someone laid hands and someone was healed. I would feel built up. I would be motivated to continue even further in ministry and to pursue even harder. But y'all, we read, about, we read about healing all throughout Jesus' ministry and all throughout the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament we read about. It. I want to see it. Listen, I don't believe this book stopped when the apostles died off. I believe it's carried on today. And I believe in these latter days we will see even greater things than they saw in the book of Acts. I believe that. But it's going to take a body of people stepping into that and fully believing that with people working in the spiritual gift of faith. Remember we talked about that one? To step out in faith and to believe without a doubt that the Lord is going to pour out his spirit like we have never seen before. But the gift of healing. I, and y'all, I can't talk about it enough because I've, I've read about it for so long. I've read about it for so long and I want to see that. And I believe it can happen. I do. I genuinely believe this can happen. Miracles. I also want to see these. Doing great deeds. The gift of miracles is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to serve as human intermediaries through whom it pleases God to perform powerful acts that are perceived by observers to have altered the ordinary course of nature. Y'all, we see miracles happen throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Majority in the prophets 
when the prophets were taking a stand for God, we saw these mighty miracles. But yeah, I'm believing to see miracles here in the United States. Do you understand that in 1905 and 1906, the Azusa Street Revival that happened in California, people were being healed, the crippled were walking, the blind were seeing, the deaf were hearing, the mute were speaking. Do y'all hear me? Not, not, not because a pastor went to seminary, not because a pastor went to the best theological college in the world, but because an African-American pastor who was despised by the United States at that point in time because racism was so heavy, a black pastor, William Seymour Jr., stepped out in faith and allowed the Holy Spirit to use him, and he radically impacted the entire globe because he was willing to be used by the Holy Spirit for a specific purpose. You're fine. So miracles, I'm expecting to see that in this house. Why? Because I'm nothing special, we're nothing special, but God is something special, the creator of the universe, and he wants to use his children to impact the world for the glory of his name. This is a manifestation gift. Once again, the Holy Spirit is working directly through us to impact someone. Y'all, I, listen, I'm selfish. I want, I want to perform miracles just because I think that's amazing, but I would be even more happy if one of you stood up here and performed a miracle. I would genuinely be happier if y'all were walking the spiritual gift of miracles. I, would, I think that would be amazing. But once again, this is for the edification of the entire body. Y'all, if we saw a miracle, I guarantee we'd all be pretty, pretty excited. We'd all be like, all right, I'm joining the evangelism team. Let's go. We'd all be excited and want to join a ministry ASAP. And the thing is, the church, and this, and this isn't, I'm not original in this. I heard another pastor say this. Leonard Ravenhill said, Leonard Ravenhill died, I believe, in the 50s. Amazing man of God from England. He said, the reason we don't see miracles in these days is because we don't have faith in God to do them. And if, if you don't remember, Jesus, the people asked Jesus to perform miracles to prove that he was the Son of God. He said, no, I'm not going to show you miracles because that's the only reason you will believe. You won't believe because of my word. So a lot of the times I believe in the church today, why we don't see miracles is because a lot of us don't truly believe he can do them until we see him do them and then we believe. We don't step out in faith and just believe he can. We have to see to believe. But what does scripture say? I walk by faith, not by sight. I am believing for these things. And what, what did we just sing today? The, the victory is won before my eyes can see it. I'm believing for this victory. I'm believing for miracles. Y'all, do you understand salvation is a miracle? Being saved and death to life and going to heaven instead of hell is a miracle. I am believing for miracles in this house. Discerning of spirits, which is Jim Cook, Miss Katie, y'all probably remember them, Zoe, their daughter still comes to the youth group here sometimes. Mr. Jim Cook said one of the most influential things to me. Before I went to my internship to Ireland for the entire summer, three and a half months, going into my junior year of college, Brother Jim Cook took me aside and he said, Brother, I want you to read 1 John chapter 4 over and over, over and over. I said, okay. He said, you must test the spirits wherever you go. You must test this. And I believe in that moment, the, the spiritual gift of discerning of spirits was really birthed inside of me when he laid on his hands and told me to study this passage more and more. Because, y'all, the discerning of spirits has been the most crucial gift in my entire life. It has kept me from disaster time and time again, and it has helped me lead this church into a place of prosperity, growing in a new season. The gift of discerning or discernment of spirits is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to know with assurance whether certain behavior purported to be of God are in reality divine, of God, of human nature, or satanic. Listen, and listen, I'm not trying to be mean, but if I don't know you very well, I'm going to be very cautious about what you say to me. 
I'm just being honest. I'm not saying you're a bad person or something wrong with you, but if I don't really know you, have a relationship with you in that way, I'm going to be cautious our first couple interactions because I'm testing the spirits. It's nothing personal. It's scripture tells me to do that. First John chapter four, verses one and two clearly say, test all the spirits. It doesn't say test specific spirits. It says wherever you are, test the spirits that are there. So for me personally, my first couple interactions with you, I'm examining you. I'm analyzing you. I genuinely am because I think it's so crucial. We as Christians to walk in this victorious life that Jesus had died on the cross for us to live in. We have to walk in discernment because not everyone who, who walks around as a sheep is a sheep. Scripture clearly says there are wolves hiding themselves in sheep's clothing. So just because you walk in here a holy roller raising your hands and screaming and worship and talking in tongues doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to give you the mic. So we have to be discerning, y'all, because, listen, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been in the church my entire life. Y'all, I've seen more wolves than I can count. What do wolves come? They come to kill, steal, and destroy. And I have seen people stab my daddy in the back more times than I can count. We are discerning in this ministry. Not just any spirit's going to walk up in this ministry and have its way. We are discerning. There's only one spirit welcome in this house, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Once again, this is a manifestation gift, right? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking directly through us, giving us wisdom and understanding and knowledge and to seek these things. This is for every ministry. I pray that all the leadership in this house, if you're over a ministry, you are seeking the spiritual gift of discernment. Every believer needs to walk in this spiritual gift. Otherwise, you will fall and you will fall and you will fall. Jesus never said, keep, keep knocking on the same door and over and over. If someone rejects you, he says to dust off your feet and keep walking. That's the spiritual gift of discernment. You know when to stay and when to leave, who to let in and who to dispose of. Speaking in tongues. And listen, the, the gift of speaking in tongues and speaking in tongues are two different things. All right, we, we have to clarify. I speak in tongues. I speak in a language to my father when I pray. I don't stand up here and speak in tongues for someone to interpret. That's not my spiritual gift. It's not my spiritual gift, but I speak in a language to my Father. The gift of tongues is a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ. One, to speak to God in a language they've never learned and or were. Number two, to receive and communicate an immediate message from God to his people through a divinely anointed utterance in a language they have never learned. Y'all, we don't see this much anymore. Like growing up in church, like growing up in the Pentecostal church, there would be someone stand up and speak in tongues loudly and another person across the room would stand up and interpret it. Why don't we see that anymore? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell y'all why we don't see that. Like Y'all probably thought I was actually wondering. No, I know. Because we don't focus on the spiritual gifts and we don't walk in them. We as the church have neglected the gifts, unless they're the popular ones, like preaching and teaching. But you know what? You know what? I'm proud to be Pentecostal because I believe that we are the most closely aligned to the Word of God. I do. I do, I'm proud to be Pentecostal. Some of y'all are not proud to be Pentecostal. I know for a fact, because a lot of y'all, y'all probably try to dismiss away what type of church you go to. I used to do that when I was younger. Oh, you go to Pentecostal church, you bunch of weirdos. Oh, no, it's not, it's not really that Pentecostal. No, we are Pentecostal in this house. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a Pentecostal church. I'm not ashamed of it. Pentecost came and radically revolutionized the world. We need another Pentecost. I'm believing for another Pentecost. If you're ashamed of being a Pentecostal, you don't need to be here. Tell them we speak in tongues. Tell them, all, tell them we lay on of hands. Let them be weirded out. Why? Because people were weirded out by Jesus. 
They thought Jesus was a weirdo. Another manifestation gift is the Holy Spirit speaking through a human vessel. Manifestation gift, what I said last time, is literally the Holy Spirit working directly in a human being, working through them. What ministry is the edification of the body? The whole reason to speak in tongues out loud, if it's not interpreted, that's, that's worrisome. But if someone stands up and speaks in tongues, it has to have an interpreter. Scripture is clear about that. If someone were to stand up in this moment while I'm preaching and start speaking in tongues, there would have to be someone to confirm that by standing up and interpreting it. Otherwise, that person just stood up and made some weird noises. I'm just being honest. If it's not confirmed, we can't believe it. We can't receive it. Interpretation of tongues. Y'all, I'm going to tell y'all a story. The craziest, the craziest time I ever experienced this. I was in Ireland. Y'all, those of you who know me personally know that those three and a half months I was in Ireland radically transformed my life. I left a little boy and I came back a man. When I went to Ireland, y'all, the Lord does this funny thing to me where he sends me far away from my family, then takes everything I know from me, and then I'm just left by myself and God. Like, he loves, he loves to do that to me. He, he, lo- he loves to completely crush me to build me back up. I'm like, God, why, why you got to be so harsh, man? Like, every time. Like, my life has been that way. When I got saved as a freshman in college, I went out to Oklahoma to play basketball. And everything I thought I knew was taken away from me, my high school sweetheart. Everything I thought I knew was taken from me. Basketball didn't pan out the way I wanted it to. The coach was just crazy. So it didn't pan out the way I wanted it to. And then I had nothing. And that's, that's where I came to give my life to the Lord. And then I was immature in my faith for years. And then he sent me to Ireland, 10,000 miles away, to make me the man I am today. So when I was in Ireland, y'all, this church I was in had 34 different nationalities. A thousand people, 34 different nationalities, the only Pentecostal church in Ireland. It was wild. This man, this I, no, sorry, this African man stands up and he starts speaking in tongues. Okay? He's over here. Across the entire room in the back, this tiny little old Irish man stands up and starts interpreting. Y'all, this little Irish man only speaks English. This man stood up, I believe it was African that he was speaking in or another language of that nation, y'all, because it doesn't always have to be an angelic tongue. It could be a foreign language you don't know. This African man, y'all, from Africa, stands up and starts speaking in tongues, and this tiny little Irishman stands up and starts interpreting. They didn't even know one another. Y'all, there's a thousand people in this church. Do y'all understand? And y'all, the, the place went crazy. The body was built up. The body was edified because of this. I want to see more of that in this house. Amen? It, it, it's confirmation that the Holy Spirit is moving. I, I promise you, y'all, some people are scared of the Holy Spirit for some reason. I want more of him, not less of him. We need more of the Holy Spirit. Once again, this is a manifestation gift, and it's for the edification of the body. I know all these gifts are for the edification of the body, but what did I say the whole point of spiritual gifts are? To edify the body. It's for all of us. We are one body. We are meant to bring each other up, raise each other up, help each other stand, to bear one another's burdens. But y'all, a huge downfall in the American church is that we come with our family unit and we leave with our family unit and we never intermingle with other family units. We come as individuals and we leave as individuals. Mm. That's not what I want for this body. I genuinely want us to be a family. We're, this, this, is where we're, this is where we're finishing up today. We're finishing up with you today. If you want to turn with me, you can. This finishing up 1 Corinthians. We dealt with the last spiritual gifts in Corinthians. We're going to be moving on to Ephesians next week to finish up um, part four. 
But if you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians, if you want to, please do, though. It's good, it's good to do that. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 through 31. Once again, there's a little synopsis of what some of the verses are saying, just to make it clear, to bolden it, to pull out to your eyeballs what it's saying. We're going to read 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. What does that tell us? There's one body, many parts, all the same spirit. Do we see that? One body, Christ as the head, we make up the body. Many parts, what does that mean? We have many limbs, do we not? This is why I use the example of a human being's body. We have many ligaments, many parts to make up the body, but the same spirit. Same spirit working throughout the entire body. Verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, is it not for that reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, is it not for that reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. Do we see the beauty in that? We need each other to function the way we were meant to function. This is why I said a body not walking in the spiritual gifts is a crippled body. We can't function the way God intended for our body to function if we are not all playing our role. If I'm an eye and I'm looking at you as a leg saying we're not part of the same body, we're either not going to be able to walk or we're going to be blind. If, I, if, I, if I'm saying I'm an ear and not an arm, we won't be able to hear the voice of God and we won't be able to do the works of God. Do we see that? Do we see how it's all intertwined together? God has arranged the parts of the body according to his will. If God made you an eye, don't be mad you're not a finger. If God made you a nose, don't be mad you're not a foot. He made you this way for a specific purpose. And he, what does it say? He arranged the parts of the body according to what? His will. If the church isn't following his will, then it's not a church. Verse 19. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. So what is he saying? What is he saying? The less honorable parts, right? He's talking about the human body. So what is he saying? The parts we are meant to cover up in public, right? So he's, he's, just, using, he's just referencing the body, right? He says, those we consider to be less honorable, we cover with more honor. We give more honor. So for me as the pastor, I'm meant to pour out more honor on you guys. I'm meant to honor you just as highly as you were to honor me. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest, y'all. This church doesn't always do good about honoring people. I'm, I'm being honest. This church doesn't always do good about honoring other people. And listen, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest because this has been weighing on me. When you address me, you address me as pastor. Not, 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 not because I hold your size on a power trip. No, because the word of God clearly states the authority of the house is to be held at a standard of authority. So I'm, I'm not going to be all buddy-buddy with you. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm here to be your shepherd, not, not walk alongside you as a sheep. I'm here to protect you from wolves, not get eaten by one with you. 
I was the one placed here to protect you. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Do you hear me? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. When you address me, I'm pastor. Amen? Because listen, one of the main things missing in the house of the Lord is the fear of the Lord. David had chance after chance to kill King Saul. But what did he say? I will not lay a finger on the Lord's anointed. But some of us, with our words and our thoughts, we lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. When, when we think we're more superior to our pastor, when we think we have more authority than our pastor, yo, I didn't put myself here. The Lord put me here. Amen? We're not always going to agree on everything, but that's the beauty of the body. It's the beauty of the body. We don't always have to agree to be the body. Have, have, do you not have arguments with your family? Have you ever had like just a slap down brawl with words with your family? Are you still family? Still family. We don't break off, right? The finger doesn't just fall off your hand. It's not that doesn't happen. Amen. Amen. We stick together. We are one body. Mm. Dang, I'm, I'm about to get fired up over here. Y'all better watch out. I'm about to, I'm about to start preaching. Y'all better watch out. Y'all better not encourage me with this. I'm going to get excited in a minute. <laughs> Instead, God has put the body together. This is verse 24. Giving greater honor to the less honorable. Y'all hear that? Instead, God has put the body together. And what does it say? God gives on greater honor to the less honorable. Y'all, no gift is too small. No gift is too small. God sees it all. Verse 25. So that there would be no division in the body. Woo! Y'all hear that? Y'all hear that? So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? What? You're supposed to care for your family? What? Y'all, last time I checked, when I stub my toe, my whole body feels it. Y'all, the other day, I, I kicked my bedpost when I was trying to carry Ezra, and I thought I broke my pinky toe, and I fell over in agony, my tiny pinky toe. Do you understand what I'm saying? The body is supposed to care about the rest of the body. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. When one of us has something great happen, we all rejoice. Yo, one of my biggest pet peeves about the church, I feel like we're always title hunting in the church. And then when someone gets the position you thought you should have, you get mad about it. Do you not trust God to place people where they need to be placed? Maybe you weren't ready for that type of responsibility. Maybe this isn't your season. Y'all, you want to hear something crazy? Before I took over as senior pastor, guess where I was working? I was the store manager of a Dollar General. Do, do you hear that? The Lord promotes. The Lord promotes. Y'all, in that season, I didn't understand. I was qualified. I went to college. I have two degrees, Bible and intercultural studies. I have all these things. I thought I was overqualified, but the Lord had to break me down to build me up. He knew that there was pride inside of me he could only get rid of by putting me at the lowest of my lows. So there's no way I could have stepped in as a humble senior pastor and led this church if he didn't put me in a place to be broken first. Y'all, I guarantee you, when you seek a title, you will be highly disappointed. But when you seek the kingdom of God, all else will be given unto you. If I'm not an example of this, then I don't know what is. Y'all, I was miserable at Dollar General. You can ask my wife. I was mad at Dollar General. I couldn't understand why God did it. But by the end of it, I knew that he was growing me. 
He was putting me in a place that I could only thrive if I let the fruits be produced inside of me. Amen. Verse 26. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in other tongues? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts. And I will show you an even better way. And we're going to look at that way next week. And I'm excited because chapter 13 brings it all together. But listen, body, we have to be the body. We have to be the body. You have to cling to your body. Y'all, I'd be a little freaked out if my arm just fell off my body right now. I'd probably, probably, y'all, I'd probably scream like a little girl, I'm not going to lie. But the thing is, we in the church, we in the church lose limbs all the time and we act like it's no big deal. Y'all, right now, I'm afraid that, that the, the church in America is only a midsection in legs. Y'all, it starts with us. We rebuild the body. It starts with us. Y'all, I talk about this all the time, but Noah was one man. Noah was one man. In, in, in a world full of the unrighteous and the wicked, he was the one man seeking the Lord. All it takes is one. All it takes is one. This, this is where we're finishing up. Only one spirit, the Holy Spirit, is welcome in this body. Listen, the spirit of criticism is not welcome in this body. Your personal preference is not scripture. Do you hear me, Christian? Just because you like it one way doesn't mean it has to be that one way. What did Pastor Charlie talk about? We're becoming new wineskins. We're becoming new wineskins. We are letting the Holy Spirit lead this church. Your criticism is usually not productive criticism. It's usually not edifying criticism. It's you are putting your personal preference above the scriptures. You understand not every pastor has to do the same thing to every single way. Pastors are called to different seasons in their lives to lead different ways. So listen, that, that spirit of criticism where you just want to critique everything I say, you can take that out the door. That's not the Holy Spirit. Do we understand? That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit confirms his children. And he confirms the words spoken by his children. If everyone in here is being edified, you're the one person that feels like you're being torn down, you're probably the wrong one. I'm sorry, Christians in America, we think we're always right. If you're the only person offended, that's probably your own fault you're offended. I'm sick and tired of us always, always accommodating the individual instead of the populace. What is best for the edification of the body, not your, not your fingertip? The spirit of gossip is not welcome in this body. It's not. Be quiet. Stay in your lane. Gossip is not welcome here. If you hear something you shouldn't have been told, lock the lock, the lock and throw away the key. It's not for you to tell. And listen, don't try to disguise it of, oh, we need to pray for them. No, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Stop, stop trying to act like you're holy when you just want to know something about somebody. The gossip is not welcome in this body. Listen, the spirit of division, if you come in this house to try to break this body apart, I will kick you out of this church. No division in this body. Y'all, listen, I grew, y'all think, oh, Pastor Asai, you're harsh. Y'all, I've grown up in the American church. The reason I wanted to be a missionary is because I didn't want any part of the American church because it's dirty and it's nasty and it's not a cleansed temple. 
So when the Lord confirmed to me I was meant to be a pastor in the United States, he made it my mission. Y'all, this is in my spirit. I can't even contain it. He made it my mission to cleanse the body of Christ, to bring unity and purify the body of Christ. No division is welcome here. No title grabbing, no gossiping, nothing. If you come to divide, you can go find another church to divide. Because I promise you, the spiritual gift of discernment will put off my radar like that, and you will be out of here. I'm not playing these church games. I'm not playing church games. We were put here by the Father to do the work of the Father. This is not a game. This is the ultimate reality. The spirit of superiority is not welcome in this body. If you walk around like you're better or you know more, it's not welcome here. Humble yourself before the Lord. Do you hear me, Christians? Humble yourself before the Lord. You are no superior to anyone. You are not better than anyone. Christ died for all equally. You are not better than anyone. If anything, you should be saying, I'm the chief of all sinners. Stop boasting about yourself. You are not superior. You are put here with gifts and fruits to edify those around you, not yourself. The spirit of superiority is not welcome here. The spirit of control is not welcome here. Just because you think you can do something better or you think your preference is better, that's not welcome here. We are led by the Holy Spirit in this body. I don't, I don't have control over these ministries. You understand, y'all, I've been here for two months. You know how much we've changed in two months? Not because I've been locking control. Y'all, every week something has changed. Y'all just didn't know it was changing. Because the Holy Spirit is putting us in a place to receive the harvest. Amen? The Holy Spirit didn't say, send out an evangelism team not expecting a harvest. I'm expecting the harvest. But this church has to be in a place ready to store the harvest. Amen? There's, we don't do control. We don't say, this is how we've always done it, so this is how it's always going to be. No! For too long, that has held the church back from being the church. The Holy Spirit's not leading the church, and it's not a church. It's a social gathering. The spirit of legalism is not welcome in this, in this body. We will be free in this body. We are going to be biblical in this body. We will not drift from the Bible, but we are going to be free in this body. We'll be free to worship, free to praise, free to dance and praise, free to lift our hands, free to cry on the floor, free to let the Holy Spirit move in us. No, liber no, no legalism or liberalism, because liberalism can go the other way. We are pertaining to the Word of God. This is our authority and the Holy Spirit working in us. This is what we hold to in this body. So listen, Auntie, I want to close with that song we started with. And I'm going to pray for us real quick before we go into this time to end up with worship. Because y'all, I think it's just so crucial. Sometimes I feel like we come to church and we expect the same thing and we get stuck in a routine of doing the same thing over and over. But why are we here? To worship and glorify who? The Father. So you know, we're, we're going to sing that song. We, what, we, we have victory before we can see it. Because I'm believing that for this body. I'm believing that for my papa. I'm believing that for my family. Y'all stand up. Listen, um, also, if you feel led to come to the altar, I'm going to be anointing with oil because I feel like the Lord's going to do something special in this house. And he is promoting people to do No, I won't. No, I won't.
is yours this morning. Come on, whatever you're believing for, you got to believe it before you see it. Amen. Come on, let's say it again. Victory is mine.
Spirit is powerful right now. The Spirit is powerful right now. I don't know if you feel this, no, but the Spirit is powerful right now. And He's moving right now. And listen, I don't want you to miss it. Do, do we understand? You can never have a, a deep enough feeling of the Holy Spirit. You can never have too much of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, y'all, we need to come to this altar and just be rejuvenated. You don't have to come rededicate your life. If Christ is your Savior, He's your Savior. Sometimes we need to just become filled more. And you know, we, we, we talk about we want to see healing, but you know what some of the most beautiful healing is? Inner healing. Yeah. Inner healing. Inner healing. It's not just the body when the lame stand up and walk. It's when those who are crippled in their minds, those who are crippled by their past, are renewed and healed. You can pray, brother. How sweet is the spirit of Jesus right here in this house today? It's so sweet. And one of the things that we sang that last song forever and ever. I've seen that um, so I was knee high to a grasshopper. At least I thought I was sing it. But the words just jumped out to me today when it says, Oh, for grace to trust in hope. That won't go by y'all. But God's grace has been so good to me. It's been so, so good to me. Grace I do not deserve. Some of you know my backstory, some of you don't, but God's grace has been so amazing to me to trust Him even more through good situations, through bad situations. His grace was always there. And I was sitting here and I was playing and I was just crying, thinking about His grace. And I thought back to me and that little lady right there when we first got married. How we'd open up our counter and there was nothing but a loaf of bread and peanut butter. And we would go to house showings to go get free hot dogs because we didn't have anything. Uh, it's, it's, we look back and we laugh about it now, but I wouldn't trade anything for it because even then, I still trusted him. Even then, I still trusted him because I knew he was going to pull me through. He was going to provide. He was never going to let me go without. He was never going to let me be without. And I knew that the death of my, grandpa, my grandfather, my mother, and even of my own father, don't know how I made it, but I knew his grace. Even in his grace, I could trust him more. 
And Pastor is talking about right now, every time our pastor prays with us in that little classroom, and I encourage everybody to come, he always says at the end, let's go to battle. And this morning, a lot of you don't know, but this song that we play, Sing Like the Battle Was Over, we changed that at the last minute. We changed that song at the very last minute. And, you know, I think about this all the time. I never was in military. I respect everyone who's in the military, who's been in the military. I have the utmost respect for you. But I did coach football, and we always associated with that with football. And one of the things we always said was, every play is a battle. And our coaches tell us all the time, he said, the most important play is the next play. And as long as you keep winning the most plays, you will win the battle. You see, that song says, sing like the battle is over. And you have to have mindset that you're going to win the battle. When you go into battle, you cannot have the doubt, the inkling of anything in your head that says, I'm going to lose or I might lose. Because if you think it, you will become it. But to prepare for battle, you have to dig into your word every single day like our pastor is telling us. And even today, guys, I'm telling you, it felt like even in service, the, the enemy is fighting this, this church so hard. He's fighting it so hard because we're going through a battle. Because we're going to another level. God's taking this church to another level. Like I've said before, whether you like it or not, we're going to another level. And in these battles, we as a church, we as a body must dig in. When you feel that, when you feel that heaviness in the church, you got to dig in. You gotta pray a little harder. You gotta fast a little more. You gotta spend a little more time with God because God is doing something special. And Pastor said this morning about the Azusa Street Revival, and he talked about how it took place in California. It took place in Los Angeles, California. One of the places that now where God did something so amazing, the enemy is fighting that city so hard because of what God did hundreds of years ago. He's fighting that city. He's fighting this church right now because of what we're going through. But I count it all joy because of what we're going through. Because if he ain't fighting you, you ain't doing something right. But if he's fighting you, you're doing something right. So I encourage you, church, keep digging into that word. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we're going to keep singing like the battle belongs to the Lord. And we're going to keep singing like the battle is over. But until then, we got to keep fighting. Because the most important play is the next play. The most, the most important hour is the next hour. The most important minute is the next minute. Every moment you spend thinking on God, speaking with God, talking to God, praying for people, witnessing to people, that's what takes us to that next level, church. I encourage you, keep doing it, guys. Keep digging in. I know sometimes it's tough and it's not easy, but keep digging because I assure you what God has in store for this church, I'm seeing that the battle is over. What God's about to do, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So church, just pray with me. Dear gracious and wonderful Heavenly Father, God, I just want to thank you for all that you're doing, Father. God, I thank you that the battles that we're going through, the persecutions and the fights that we're going through, because I know that we're doing something right for you. So God, I pray and ask that each member of this congregation and the congregation that's online, God, I pray and ask that you will continue to strengthen them with a newfound boldness, a newfound strength that they can dig deep inside it when they feel like, I just don't want to fight today, that they'll have that inclination and that hunger to fight a little harder because they know that the battle belongs to the Lord and what God is up to. And Father, I pray and ask that as these people walk out of this house today, Father, I pray that you will bless them, God. 
I plan as they were going through any kind of physical problems, any emotional problems, any spiritual problems. God, I plan as you would touch them to the very core. God, let your grace meet them at the point of their need. Whatever grace that they need in their life, whether they have lost someone, whether they're going through a financial issue, whether they're going through a physical issue, whether they're going through a divorce, whatever it may be, God, I pray that you just reach out to them and give them the grace that is sufficient for that time so that they will continue to trust in you. God, I pray and ask that as they walk out, Father God, the very residue of the Holy Spirit will be upon their lives. I pray and ask that every place that they walk, every place that they touch, every person that they come into contact with, they shall be blessed. Because, Father, with you, all things are possible, God. So, God, I want to thank you for all that you're doing and what you're about to do. Now, Father, I pray and ask you to bless this church indeed. Enlarge our territories. Keep your hedge of protection about us. Keep us from evil that it harm us not. And Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And the church said, Amen. Praise God. Amen. All right. As you guys know, we have a lunch today. So if you're staying for the lunch, you can head on over there. But we'll start when I come over there to pray. You guys go socialize, go find a table, relax, build relationships with people. Listen, if I if I see you just sit with your family, I might ask you to go talk to somebody. So y'all be social, talk to people, build relationships. That's what it's all about. What did, what did Pastor Tim Hodge always say? It's all about relationships. All right, you guys are dismissed to go head over there. Um, for those of you.